Before we get into today's episode, we'd just like to chat with you about a few things. First, most of the content on this podcast is our opinion, and we don't really do extensive research before the episodes. Second, you may not agree with our opinion, but that's okay. Friendly reminder that you're choosing to listen to this. You can choose not to agree. We still love you anyways. Now, without further ado, let's fuck small talk. I, I saw the Under Armour shirt and pants and I knew. And I knew. I love this shirt. I lost it. It looks so comfy. In the bottom of my drawer. <laughs> you lost it in the bottom of your drawer? Yeah, because Shannon's made me use a dresser. I know, I heard. Fuck. It was so great. It was horrible. Did you hang up everything No, he had no. it in garbage bags. No, no, no. I did not have it in garbage bags. <laughs> just, no, no. Shannon said Time out. he Time had out. it in garbage bags Put some all respect over, in his name. all over Put some respect room. on it. Time out. Yeah. I used baskets in the top of the dryer as my dresser in the past. Wait, so I would in, like, in the what? So like I would put my clothes coming out of the dryer either in a basket, bring it upstairs, and then just grab things out of the basket as I wore them. Yeah. And then put them in well, my like camper. everything you own not wrinkled to shit? It's just it is because I own a steamer, so I'll steam everything before I like uh, put it on in the morning. I see, I see, I see, I see. It's part of the routine. But so that's now. what I did, and then I moved in with Shannon, moved in. Via garbage bags because it was down the street. I didn't have suitcases. What's the point? <laughs> Whatever. They were white, like white premium garbage bags. It's cool. You paid the, you paid the extra dollar. Absolutely glad. Glad. Yeah. Glad oh, wonderful. With the handles. I see. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they might not have come out for like two months from the garbage bags. <laughs> Wait, did you do the laundry and put them back in the garbage? No, no. I just didn't wear a lot of my clothes because it was. Uh, we moved in in August. Oh, okay. So like all of my sweatshirts, sweatpants hoodies like even with my ties like stuff like that like i'll just stayed in a garbage bag she didn't like that (laughs) she didn't like that i thought she was gonna leave me (laughs) now they're all in i would have chosen my bags (laughs) (laughs) do you think she'll listen to this no oh is this recording yeah (laughs) no damn it i mean i can cut stuff out she's still gonna leave me but i'm still choosing the bags Stand by my statement. <laughs> wow, strong. You know, our, our our listeners have said that we need to get more controversial. So there you go. So we invited Brian. Stick with your bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, the giggles. Yeah, that's what I said to Lex on the way to McDonald's. I was like, "This is gonna be another giggle episode." Yeah. This is, this is the so giggles. would you like to? Before we start, would you like to plug your podcast and introduce yourself? Oh yeah, you want. Yeah. yeah, go for it. So you don't have to remember. Uh, we don't, we're trying to make this easy on you. We're very gracious to our hosts. Yeah. Yeah. Guests. We're the hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my podcast now. Uh, okay. How do you want me to do this? <clears throat> you just like, want me to start talking? Like, I, I want you to say who, this what, is your Brian. Na- what your name is and what it's your... It's been three weeks to- since our last podcast meeting. <laughs> I've relapsed many times. <laughs> Um, so we'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll say why we're here again. So you can say your name and then what story you're here to tell. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. we can do that. Yeah. What's going on, folks? Uh, I'm Brian. Do I say last names? Brian Schwan. Yeah. Hit me up. IG, (laughs) Twitter. No content in either spots. B. B Schwani 83. Yeah. 83. 83. Good year. College college that year was crazy. (laughs) Um... (laughs) To, to be in your prime in the 80s. So, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, looking forward to lots of banter, lots of uh, giggles. giggles. 
Yeah. Lots of coffee. Normally, we usually drink beer around each other, so coffee's a different landscape. And I think we're going to try to focus on talking about leadership and positive leadership strategies and what a good leader looks like, but... Uh, to be honest, historically speaking, knowing the three of us, it's going to go off the rails. So. Well, it's, I was just going to... I was going to say it takes a detour, but off the rails is a little more dramatic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Remember last time we tried to record? <laughs> uh, oh. No, All right, go and uh, yeah, so I've known these folks for many years. Not going to put a year on it because it seems to be an ongoing debate, <laughs> but excited to chat intellectually and not intellectually yes. in any way, shape, or form with them. Yeah. Uh, we do. I rock my own podcast as well with two buddies of mine. Uh, check it out. That's so interesting. On Instagram, you can see us at TSI Podcast. Or on any of your podcast channels, look out for that. That's so interesting. So this isn't. Uh, we're going to be a little honest. This isn't our first time recording um, <laughs> with Ryan. With Brian. guilty. So uh, we fucked up on fuck small talk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we recorded some brilliant content. You just can't really hear it. <laughs> yeah, our, our mic game was weak. It was real bad. So uh, thanks for being so patient. I'm really happy it was with you and not somebody like we brought in from out of town or like we were had to be really professional with we could just be like yo come over on a sunday when it was perfect i could head to church before this and you know (laughs) get there get my stuff done i'm a little hungover to be honest Um, me too from church from church church. from the holy spirit yeah yeah from the wine i was gonna say the jesus juice but anyways (laughs) what we say so i'm (laughs) (laughs) forgot i was just there (laughs) Um, what I think is cool also is that the three of us have all had leadership positions and we are in our, y'all are in your early 20s. I'm in my late 20s. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> What's the middle? <laughs> is it You're rounding 94. up? Like, I'm not in 94. 93. Danielle, get it together. Stop calling me that. He's figured out that it annoys me when he calls me by my full name. Mm-hmm. And now he's just shouting it on the soccer field occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> it's very annoying. I worked very hard to get everybody to call me Danny. Just fucking it up. And bringing it back. <laughs> I'm trying to steer us back to the subject matter at hand, and y'all are not helping me. So on a cool, sunny afternoon day of the week, don't know which one, Danny asked, reached out and said, check out my podcast. And I said, I want to be on your podcast. Very forceful, yes, <laughs> and forward. She said, sure, but I have to be vulnerable, uh, and I need to pick a topic. They wouldn't pick one for me, so that's how we got to leadership, and it was a good fit for all of us because all of us have had leadership positions, specifically more around uh, the culture within university and on campus at U of W, but also with outside, um, but that's kind of how we all got to know each other and bond over was through various leadership opportunities, and also, I think, indirectly critiquing many various leadership opportunities through some critical conversations we've had sober and not sober <laughs> i'm not gonna say which one's is that fun. a good segue yeah, that was, was a good segue was just that was say, good. thank you did, do you do you actually want to host like, I, we could just, I, was just gonna I thought i was hosting <laughs> I, I said it one time earlier it's my bad that's my bad oh. so then have you always considered yourself a leader Oh, going right into it. Oh, because yeah. uh, oh, we've all met through, because yeah. I consider myself a leader. Do you consider yourself a leader? No. Okay, we're going to talk yeah, about that. Present day, yeah. Present day, not, I Ooh, didn't before. Present day. 
Yeah, okay. no, I didn't before. What what if you had to like fill out a personality test and it was like, what is something uh, <laughs> top three about your personality? What would you say? I'm handsome. <laughs> That's not your personality. I'm funny. I'm handsome. Okay. No. Uh, about my personality? Yeah. I don't know. I would say like I'm more along the lines of like a jack, jack of all trades and a master of none would be where I would go. Um, I like to think I'm pretty empathetic. Yeah, I, I can see that. And it's like, it's f- f- ex- I would use the word exciting for myself. Yeah. Regardless of what my peers think sometimes. <laughs> I like to think I bring excitement to people's lives. I would agree. That was two? That was three. Jack oh, of all trags. Trags? Trags. <laughs> Jackson of all trags. <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> a Pinot Noir. <laughs> Paired with a nice 17-year-old aged. A Chicago blue steak. A Chicago blue steak. Warm, sunny day. <laughs> okay, Jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah, does that count? Exciting. Yeah. And empathetic. And empathetic. Okay. Yeah. That's three. <laughs> we just talked about this. <laughs> I'm hungover. I think you're going to say you're hungry. <laughs> I do. I wish I got some hotcakes. I'm telling you. Anyways, okay. So those are the three. So leadership, leader didn't make it in there until now. Until when? What was the shift? No, I wouldn't even put leader, like a leader in my personality traits. Oh, really? I think a lot of other people's personality traits or even your own make you become a leader. Yeah, because you can't, be, you can't be a leader without being empathetic or, you know, forward thinking or... Um, a conversationalist or even like there's so many different components that you yeah. need to take in before I think you can actually be an effective leader mm-hmm. um, and it, you don't have to have a checkbox of I need to have all of these personality traits but I don't think like you pop out of the womb and suddenly you're like I'm a leader this is my first personality trait and the first thing that I learned you have to learn so much more and gain so many greater talents which then morph into being a leader which is actually interesting because I was having a conversation with some colleagues the other day about somebody that was in their in the role that they were in were not a great leader and were not of great service to their people and were eventually removed from this position hot goss I was just thinking about having this dialogue this is so cool but wow yeah wow yeah same page Um, where was I going with this yeah so to me I agree I think it's I, I think your traits make you a leader in, in that way. Like a leadership isn't a personality trait, but it's how you, to me, it's how you leverage your traits. Because I don't think there's any combination, like you said, a checklist. I don't think there's any specific combination of traits that you need to have or have to have or a person has that makes them a good leader. I think it's how they understand how to leverage their strengths uh, and, and, and kind of absolutely leverage their strengths and their team strengths to, to kind of offset all the weaknesses and, and, and output whatever the, the, the shared task is. Yeah. Because this person that, that was removed from their position, I, I don't Rip. think she was a bad person. I don't think she was uh, – she didn't want to be – I think she thought she was being a good leader. But her she was very aware that her strengths were not in the role that she was put in. She was she was working in a field oh. that was – she had wanted nothing to do with that field, but she was put in a leadership position in that field. And her strengths lay more in what you'd say is kind of like a HR. So that's bad, bad leadership to put her in a position well, where she might not be successful. But that's my thing, is I don't think so. Because I think she has 
personality traits in terms of she I, I think she was empathetic she was she'd look out for her team she would stand up for people she would she was a really good motivator but i just don't think she leveraged those once she disconnected with the fact that the she's like like this role doesn't jive with me i think she moved away from leveraging her strengths to be a good leader like i think i think you or danny or like other friends like our friends like maz i think you guys i could control c control v you into any kind of leadership position and you'd find a way to make it work regardless of how much you know about that field regardless of how much you know about that area i think trusting your people you know those kinds of those kinds of tr- things the strengths you can leverage you can be a good leader but don't you think a little bit has to do with the leadership and guidance that she was given as well because if you're allowed to take your foot off the gas or like say i'm not super interested in this field or this role but you still have the inherent talents and strengths her manager her leader or somebody else who has leadership mm-hmm. capabilities within the organization should have had that conversation and pulled aside and said you know we've seen a decline in what we first talked about with you in this position um and now here's the performance what's going on can we help you step it up a notch or is this position not right for you can we shuffle you around can we give you more supports like have and I, that conversation very well may have happened but i think the support from a leadership perspective, you need to empower your staff all the way down the chain of command, even from a um, a lateral perspective as well, for people to be able to succe- be successful in their roles, as opposed to, you know, you have the abilities or you have the characteristics and traits to be a leader. Now just go and use them and like figure it out. So I think I think the conversation from her managers around her p- uh, placement in that role was more like, hey, we see that you have these traits that can make you a leader, but we think that this is an opportunity for you to explore and grow oh, okay. a little bit. It's a growth opportunity. Yep. Like expand into it, kind of... It, it's an opportunity to learn and yeah. grow. So this, when you went on to the subject, what popped into my head right before that was, I want like an agree or disagree. Mm. That I'm picturing in my head leadership is like a Venn diagram right now. Ooh, we know Venn awesome. diagram. Yeah. Just two Olympic rings crossing over into each other. Not thought, not thought. Um, that the middle is leadership. Mm-hmm. On let's say on the right hand circle, it's your environment, and on the left hand circle, it's like uh, th- things within your control. Yeah. And in order to be a good leader, at a given point in time, or be recognized amongst a specific group of people, um, in a contained environment, all both your environment and your own characteristics need to gel very, very well in order for you to actually be an effective leader. Agree or disagree? I agree, and I would um, I would agree because. Uh, and also add on that with the environmental piece, the people around you are so crucial. Like you, uh, Brian, you and I have taken some organizational behavior and HR related courses. Danny, Danny showed up to them. I stole their notes after class. <laughs> I was drunk. So with that though, like mentorship and how people manage you, how you're treated, what you're given access to in terms of like growth and opportunities, like those are huge, huge indicators of leadership. Like in my current role at at the university, I'm allowed to do and take on a lot of leadership opportunities. But if I, if I didn't have that mentorship, that coaching, that guidance, that support from my manager, he could keep me in a side office and I wouldn't have any opportunities to be a leader regardless of what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. But I also like, I'm curious of how many people are in the wrong positions based on their skill set. So even though they have the skill set, I'm just agree- reinforcing that I agree with you because your environment, but I, I almost think environment's bigger. Absolutely. You were shaking your head. Yeah, I, um, I'm strongly the other way. Ooh, yay. 
Strongly. I love, I love when we disagree. Strongly. I So the circles were, the one was environment, the other one was, was what? Like, like th- things that are in your control. Things within your control, your own personality, your, your traits, your uh, previous experiences, learning opportunities, willingness to grow. Like all of that is within your own kind of leadership no, yeah. bubble. I, I fully think that one's more important than your environment. And the, my reason for saying that is I don't think on a second to second basis in anybody's life, I don't think there's at never not an opportunity to learn. Right. So even if, even if, um, you have to be open to learn. Yeah. But that's what, that's things in your control. That's not an environmental issue. You have to be open to learn. So in your analogy, say you got put into that, into that room, into your manager wasn't giving you the opportunities. You're being put in the back room. (laughs) Closed door, you no lights. You peasant. <laughs> my point. My point is that I think I don't know what my point is. Hold on. We're gonna. I know what your point was. I yeah. say think that if, like, if you can control and adapt a lot of things, and you have, you're willing to learn different strategies and different traits that you should be able to adapt to various environments. Yeah, having a good manager that helps you, gives you opportunity, and having an organization that gives you opportunity definitely helps, but. As you go through your journey, opportunities aren't necessarily just going to be given to you. It, I think a big part of that is finding opportunity where there doesn't initially yeah. seem to be one. And I think that's a personality thing, not an environment thing. Well, I was just going to say, now that you're saying that, I demanded some of the stuff that I was given responsibility for because I said to my boss, like, I have these skill sets. Absolutely. And he was like, I've never seen you do that before. And I was like, yeah, but let me. Personality, yeah. not environment. So, yeah. I I'll, For I'm, sure. I'm getting there. But... Like, my argument would be that they're both equal because... <laughs> no, one has to win. No, no, they don't. Leadership wins because then everyone wins. Like, I, I, I think I think environment is important. Don't get me wrong. I think it's it can definitely help a lot. But I think that on the path to leadership... It can accelerate your path to leadership if you're not already there. But I definitely think that the main driver of what pushes you forward is, is, is yourself and things that are in control. Your mindset, your personality... Oh, I don't I don't disagree that to get to the level to be a leader or classify yourself as a leader, like have the experiences or want even want to. Mm -hmm. I think that is not your environment. I think that's all you as an individual, because regardless, if you're working a nine to five paper pushing in mid job, you still have so many different or more hours in the day, whether that's to volunteer within your community to, you know, join an exec position, a board position, like all of these different things to and it could be as simple as like helping out deliver the paper or like shoveling your neighbor's driveway where you can display leadership qualities within your community Absolutely. and still learn and develop them. That's where I agree with you. I think we're in a society specifically within the Western world, but many others as well, of where if you are a part of an organization or an environment that either doesn't see value in you, whether you have it or not, no matter how much you push your environment will never allow you to be a leader. And that's where the environmental piece comes in. Mm -hmm. In order for you to be a successful leader, you need to have the support from the above you and below you and like kind of that full circle of an organization or a a community that you're working within. When I say full support, it doesn't mean everybody has to love you. It means people who you're reporting to or you're accountable to have faith that you're making critical decisions and they might question some of your decisions, but will ask you questions of how you thought through how you made a decision and go on and go so forth, right or wrong. However, you did that, they're still willing to empower you and let you have that rope. Yeah. But also the people below you are um, being 
I guess, also in a culture of where they're allowed to be coached, where they're allowed to be mentored, and it's not, hey, did you get this done? It's 10.15, yeah. and you said it was supposed to be done at 10.15. Why isn't it here? Instead of saying, hey, I haven't seen that report yet. It's 10.15. I know we had a deadline. Like, is there anything holding you up? Can I help you out with anything to get to get you to where mm-hmm. you need to go? And those, yes, as much as they're also within pe- personal control, people work for paychecks, and we live in a world where people work for other people and that's the majority of our population. And if your boss says, go and do it this way and you can lose your job and not have a paycheck the next week, I guarantee you're probably going to go and say, Hey, like, where's my stuff? Like you said, it was going to be here. It's not here. You're fired. Like, and that's, that's the messaging that you're going to pass down. And I'm not saying everybody, but it has such a significant impact on you from stressors, from motivation, from how you want to go and operationalize, different conversations and be empathetic. Like a lot of your tools in your own toolkit can be shut off because of your environmental support isn't there. Yeah. Does that make sense? That was a long ramble. It, no, 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 it, no. Does. it does. It does totally make sense. But I think it makes sense in the context of, I, I heard you a couple times allude to, to mentoring and people above and people below and, and kind of the hierarchical nature of organizations. And to me, like I, I don't think that is relevant to leadership. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to be above anybody to be a leader. I think no. I think you could be a mail clerk and be displaying leadership qualities Absolutely. by doing the things you do. That person you just described that has to that doesn't have a choice but has to get that paycheck and go to do it the way their boss wants mm-hmm. is displaying tremendous leadership by by maybe providing for their family in a time where you know what this needs to be done. I'm going to sure. show leadership and do what needs to be done. And secondly, I think where I where we're disconnecting a bit is. Is because I'm all. I think that um, there's a lot of power in in leading yourself. I I don't think you need to yep. influence anyone to be a leader as long as you lead your your leader to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, self leadership. That's interesting. And that was a brilliant transition to something I wanted to say that we actually I feel like didn't get to when we recorded this the first time. So I'm actually really pumped that this happened. New content. Woo! Hashtag content. And um, now you know the video that you showed me when you were talking about this subject matter to yeah. get on this episode, which you'll say in a second, or we'll get our <laughs> intern to talk about. Keep rolling. No, no, I'm getting there. Uh, update the intern is me. <laughs> in the video, though, uh, he talks about how people have made leadership this like special thing that like you can't actually achieve yep. only if you're like this unique leader person that um that not everybody could be a leader and he was like no everybody can be a leader but then i still think where i disagree because of the three of us sitting in this room is that there i think still is a layer of uniqueness to uh of leadership where you can be like we've all had leadership positions that are beyond the, our years. We've gotten opportunities that most people our age haven't gotten. We're, we're successful. And so not everybody is going to take those leadership qualities, those skills that we're talking about, being empathetic, being a team player, being detail-oriented, whatever you wanna say is the list. Not everybody's gonna take those and actually like go get that CEO position or go do those crazy things. or like. So I feel like there is still something that is unique about top tier leadership and I don't want to tier leadership but do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah I so I'll connect to Shay's point with yours in my mind of my intent like my intention from that environmental and self-control isn't the hierarchical tier of leadership in any way shape or form I think it's 
that was just the most relevant example that, that people will relate to. But it still will have a, like environmental factors will still have an impact if they don't go out of their way to recognize people's leadership within their uh, their work because they're not you're not getting any reinforcement or positive encouragement, especially if you're getting nagged on for other things that you're doing. So your motivation, everything gets deteriorated oh, by. Totally um, and then from top tier leadership and like that, I'll say exclusive nature working towards it. From my very brief stint, like I'm not 30 years, even though I may look like I'm 45. 83. I I haven't been working that long. Um, There are many people who are in leadership roles, who top tier leadership roles, quote unquote, that should absolutely not be there. Yes. Facts. Um, And like it's we value it as like a no no i'm like struggling with it so hard because we value i say we the western world has valued people who um put in the hours grind it out you know do whatever they do whatever they need to do to get the job done and then they'll grant that person they don't we don't value uh monetary compensation for the role we value titles to then be tied to monetary compensation so in order to value that jim bob ray who's working at the desk job and has been there for 15 years and always performs always hits his targets blah 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 the only next position for him to grow within a company or for them to grow in a company is to become a manager or become a supervisor whereas to really value leadership and put people in the right positions and get away from this valued of top tier leadership you could just simply turn around and say you're valued this is why and like if your way of showing that somebody's valued is from a monetary perspective and that's how your organization works you throw them more money because they're doing a good job they you might give them a bigger portfolio or whatever but the next step doesn't have to be a leadership position quote unquote from a managerial perspective and that's a that's an interesting segue to go there's a distinct difference between management and leadership Yes. Um, And I think that gets commonly confused in conversations as well of management is just strictly overseeing staff, in my opinion. And uh, I've tried to get get away from um, the boss terminology unless I'm using it as an endearment term of saying like, hey, boss, how's it going? Not to my actual boss. I called you boss. A friend, right? Um, Because a manager is somebody, in my mind, is somebody who's willing to coach a mentor and like, really displays a lot of those leadership qualities but quote unquote managers are there to just get stuff done and how they go about it isn't really whether you need leadership or not um and in historical terms managers really were bosses of go and do this and get it done and tell me when it's done and i'm not going to tell you or help you how to do it just go and do it um and that's a big distinction in my mind from a, a boss manager versus a leader manager is it's not go and do it's now okay how are we going to do this how can i help you how can we give you the resources to make it better than even you can do on your own and how can you potentially coordinate and like you think much more outside of the box to empower the people around you as opposed to simply just like signing a task and going away with it which it's a wonderful segue into uh a personal example, and I'm not. We're going to do the video soon, um, <laughs> but a personal example of a 
like this top tier leadership of people potentially not making the best decisions for their communities. Ooh, I love it. Um, and so my personal example is, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. Oh, well, how, how far, how big is your audience base? Large. Large. Oh, we baby. Okay, so it's huge. <laughs> um, it's going to be huge. Huge. I used to work for uh, Humber River Hospital, um, which Wait, is. Wait, you're actually affiliated with them? Yeah. Oh, this is much more risque than. No, I no, I don't work with them now. I used yeah, to. Yeah, though. yeah. You're, pro- you're previously affiliated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, this is much more risque than I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, whatever. I thought you were just like a citizen making a comment. No, no. Oh. Right. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I used to work for Humber River Hospital in their volunteer department, and. Oh, um, I did a lot of the volunteer management, but anyways, at the time that I was there, they were in the process of transitioning, of closing their three hospitals that were in, I'll call them lower income communities, and in some cases under the poverty line, Jane and Finch, uh, Church, and then the other one was on, just off of Black Creek. Uh, very specific location, I know. <laughs> and so they wanted to, they closed all of these hospitals or were in the process to open a brand new hospital outside of their original community base. Yorkdale. Uh, just across from Yorkdale Mall. So at uh, 401 and Yorkdale. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it, but I can't. <laughs> Anyways, um, this is an example of where I would say somebody was acting more as a boss than as a leader within their community because hospitals are a public service and typically urgent care should be provided to those who are going to be accessing it more or placed in a location who people who may be at risk to access it more. And statistically speaking, folks in the Jane and Finch community access urgent care more frequently than those in a wealthy committee community because they don't have family doctors like there's not a lot of economical improvements or investments going on around them the job opportunities are less like basically it's just a secular motion of like we're not giving people the tools and abilities to grow and develop but we're just going to let them be yeah um and so what this this president did and his claim to fame he's now working for doug ford so i really don't feel bad about this um, because I kind of think he's a jackass. Um, Who, Doug or this guy or both? Both. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> Retweet. Um, they built this brand new hospital, beautiful North America's first fully digital hospital, but 80% of the room are single patient rooms. And for those of you who don't know the healthcare system, um, OHIP will only fund tri-occupancy or quad-occupancy rooms. Everything else you have to pay out of your own pocket or from your private insurance. So what the, this hospital is, it's 80% single patient rooms, so the community of where they just packed up and left, typically those folks don't have access to, health, uh, to private health care based off of job opportunity, based off of just employers being around them, transportation, um, you name it. There are many different factors, plus just overall discrimination against people of color of, and race and gender and minorities. Like, communities, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's absolutely marginalized and continuing to be marginalized. And this is another demonstration of like, I intentful oppression in my mind. Um, none of these folks have access to this brand new hospital because they can't afford to go in a single patient bed. So unless they're going to the ER, like you get surgery and you need to stay overnight and it's not day surgery, tough luck. Like here's X amount of money that you're going to have to pay us if we don't have a bed open for you. Or we're going to transfer you to the hospital down the street or across the city because 
they have room, but you're not getting the best care of, you know, the North America's first fully digital hospital. So this decision was based off of reputation, financial, um, money, uh, money. pleasing people around them, having the claim to fame. I like there are so many different factors, but at the end of the day, the president and the CEO, Ruben Devlin, had the power to say, you know what, folks, like hospitals are here for this reason. They're a public service. They're here for the public good. And what we're planning on doing isn't achieving public good. It's achieving a claim to fame and not actually servicing the communities who need us the most. But that foot never was down. The conversation never happened. And it wasn't until we started taking a lot of nurses and doctors on tours of the hospital that these conversations happened. Meanwhile, this brand new hospital that was worth Lord knows how much was already built. You can't do anything about it. Tough luck. See you. Um, and so that, in my mind, is like a really good example of somebody being in a top tier leadership position, but isn't actually empowering those around them or in the communities that they're supposed to be empowering or supporting. Yeah. And I would say that in how we're evolving in leadership, empathy is just becoming such an important tool in leadership. And like seemingly that guy is really successful. He's probably very rich. And he's probably Absolutely. with the community he's now established this new digital hospital is probably seen as extremely like well liked. Look at this great hospital. Like I love this service. Like look at my beautiful single room. Yeah. He built it and then he got out and went straight to work for Doug Ford and government. So he really hasn't even seen the full operation through. Wow. But then, like, he's not thinking of that full picture. Like, he's not being empathetic to, like, humanity because he's thinking of money. Okay. Would um, would your opinions of his deci- – the, the, the company's decision – company – that hospital management's decision to do this change if this – fast forward 10, 15 years. Let's call it 10. Fast forward 10 years. And now, because this is the first North – America, North America's first – North America's first fully digital hospital. And now that it's been in practice and it's been working, it's people have realized like, yo, this is the new standard for healthcare. And this hospital has become the catalyst for better healthcare, like better quality of healthcare yeah. across North America. If that was the case. Yeah. And like in 10 years, this is what we realized, looking back on it, we realized that this Humber River Hospital was a catalyst for better healthcare, better digital healthcare mm-hmm. to prove that it can work across all of North America. Would you still say the same thing? Absolutely. Yeah, because we we know it works. We've seen it work in other parts of the world already. So it's not like this brand new okay, revolutionizer but, but thing. The, but the more about gun control too. No, no. But the more important factor here is location. The funding would have never come through from the community if it was placed in Jane and Finch. And I don't want to sugarcoat that. That's a reality that we're dealing. But with. But that's my point: is that in ten years, if a if a digital hospital then opens up in Jane and Finch, but it, it won't. Only, it was only made possible it, because it won't. Ten, I don't know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have said a company like Tesla could be a thing. Yeah, a little different because it's know, not... because this is revolutionizing medical practices. Tesla is revolutionizing the car industry. For sure. But there's only a certain amount of financial availability, especially in the provincial atmosphere, the way that things are funded, the way that oversight happens, all of that. Right. That... I don't know if we're going to see even a change that drastic of a change in healthcare or even hospital designs as a whole mm-hmm. from a across the board perspective even above 50% mm-hmm. within our lifetime. Okay. I I mean cuz there's in Canada there's no money in healthcare. There's like, no there's there no money, money no. from um, owning a hospital of putting up the walls like 
you're better off being a Tesla and the let's say the Tesla of the states in private healthcare doing this and making billions of dollars annually, but you're still not going to be able to service the community who needs you the most. What I was going to say is I think the issue is more that they closed the hospitals. Absolutely. For, like, I don't have an issue with like moving forward in healthcare. Like, let's revolutionize it, sure. But let's not close the hospitals mm. that service people who can't get this upper tier. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'm, it, I'm not saying that they made a good decision. I'm just trying to play devil's yeah, advocate sure. here. And right? it was the bed. For me, it was actually the bed layout mm. that when they... The location really isn't super far. Like, it's under probably, I would say, 15 15 to 20 kilometers based on which hospital you're commuting from to two. However, when you reduce access altogether to the community that you service for so many years to then say, like, have fun, go and find another hospital that you attend, because basically, like, Jesus incident here, like, no room in the manger for no room in the end for you, like, go to the barn. (laughs) That's pretty insulting. And from what I saw, nobody really had a voice around the table and even newspapers and things like that. No one really had a voice for the marginalized community that was being drastically impacted because it was kept under wraps for the most part. Like if your doctors and your nurses that work in your current hospital don't know that it's going to be 80% single patient beds until they take a tour. There's something going on. Something's wrong. And I think I'm arguing against myself here, but I think there's a key (laughs) difference in that hospitals are public service institutions absolutely tesla and the car industry is a private financially driven absolutely enterprise whereas hospitals are meant to be more about quality of care availability of care standards of care um, yeah. and, and while this long term potentially could lead to an uptick in the quality of care it's certainly a massive 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 decline in yeah. the availability of care to people that need it a lot yeah the biggest win that could come out of it would be changes to ohip funding that ohip will fund single patient rooms as well as double uh i want to talk about the video you said you were, we were going to go back to it i'd like to go back to it i know it's a terrible segue not <laughs> well, i was gonna ask like just in our entire friendship i am always blown away just at your critical thinking your ability to just understand a lot of information and like lead people and just like it's just brilliant i make it all up (laughs) and well i was gonna ask i was like how do you find out things like how do you improve as a person what what is your strategy like do you have do you read are you like a video person is it just instinct like what's i i didn't start reading until like a month and a half ago i basically never read before that um high school i didn't read a single book University, I didn't read a single book. Uh, wow. Like from front to back, I read sections or parts where I needed to figure out how to do equations and memorize them and <laughs> things like that. But primarily, I don't like to read. Um, I've started to enjoy it more now that I'm picking topics that are more of interest to myself and learning. I think it's a nice de stressor, but I never really appreciated that before. A lot of it's honestly coming from conversations that you never. Uh, my example would be like I had a cooking class with my partner on Friday night and yes I'll be honest I was the judgmental one who walked into the class and there was like a bunch of old people around us and I said we're 90 (laughs) and that's what I whispered and I was like we're old oh my god what are we doing here Um, and we got sat beside this lovely couple who was like 70 years old had grandkids like one was an engineer one is a writer like Mm -hmm. 
And we had an awesome time and great conversation with them because we just shut the shit and like got along. And the more that they opened up and had um, questions about or more that they revealed of their own experiences, you ask more drilling questions and like deeper diving questions. And then from that, you take that and like I can do Internet searches. I can have more conversations with other people in the field and kind of then my knowledge just tend to expand a decent amount. Um, I would say my friend group is like somewhat smaller, but my acquaintance group is very large mm-hmm. that I know a decent amount of people and can know them by name or face and have conversations just off the hop about what they're doing and remember what our last conversation was, um, which really helps in that learning and growing because I don't know, I'm just never really too shy to try to have a conversation with somebody that I don't know. Well, it's so interesting too with the podcast community. Like I, since I had such an unhealthy relationship with education where I did it to get the good grades for most of the time. And I didn't do it because I was like, oh, I understand the value of what I'm actually getting out of this. And then when I got to university and was like, not, it didn't come as easy as it was in high school. I was then resented it so much. And so then since I've graduated, it's, it's been hard to motivate myself to like, look into traditional education yeah however like you like the conversations i have learned so much through podcasts and talking to people for sure that i it would take me like a decade to learn that much content in the classroom in the traditional sense so i'm like i'm obsessed with learning i'm just not obsessed with learning in the traditional way that society has said this is how you learn which is hard because when you go to get a job or if you are trying to justify your credentials saying you talk to people and therefore have built this like wealth of knowledge is sometimes like you really have to sell that in a unique way Mm -hmm. because it's not the letters after your name on a business card absolutely and so it's interesting saying i'm a leader and i'm experienced and like want to continue my experience in leadership like that's where i want to be in my career is leading but i want to do that like Mm -hmm. from now forward i don't want to have to like work my way up because like you said, organizations are hierarchical and we value that title based on your experience, based on like the hours you've put on paper. We, it's hard to justify that like you just have learned as you're going through and like give me these opportunities. Yeah. One of the greatest, I'll say growth pieces of what we're experiencing right now is from the tech sector and the startup community of interviews have completely shifted the way your credentials matter. Um, If you're going to a big firm or, you know, a a big retailer that has lots of employees, they have to have structure. They have to have that based off of common law and what people have been sued for and what people haven't for credible hires and avoiding discrimination. But I mean, a lot of tech companies, you walk in and they say, okay, show me how to do this and here's a project and take it away for a day and come back and show me what your results were and we'll see at the second interview. Um, it's very much going away from what does your resume say for your capabilities so to what can you do? What can you do and what type of person are you and what can we teach you when you're here? It's interesting too because it's more about who are you as a person because I think the opinion of a lot of companies a lot of people is we can teach you what we need to teach you like that's not an issue we yeah. can teach you you don't know finance cool we'll teach you finance What like we, we can make it happen we, you don't know Excel we'll teach you Excel but who you are as a person how are you going to fit with when, how, how do you respond when you're pushed how do you yeah. respond uh, in this kind of culture how do you respond when 
you're maybe yep. struggling or when you don't know when you're tur- spinning your wheels a little bit and you don't really have traction yeah and we have seen a good shift from that boss to manager mm-hmm. concept in recent years because that wouldn't have been a conversation five years ago no and it's because people have changed in I think we can all attest more so Danny and I than Ashe, but even at, I'll use UW as an example. Um, lots of leader, senior leadership has changed and the culture on campus and the willingness to do things that aren't within people's portfolios or part of people's job descriptions. Yeah, it's not perfect across the board, but people who are willing to teach, have conversations, learn themselves are now in the position which has allowed the university to be a little bit more successful and navigate some very controversial problems in the past two years than I think they ever could before. Would you would you say being willing to teach and learn yourself is self leadership? So that's a question for for Brian, and for for Mache. <laughs> would would I say that the willingness to teach and learn by myself, or just myself, is self leadership? Yeah, it's like it's definitely a lead. I think it's a leadership capability and quality, but that's not what would define a leader. It no, would no because I think it's a piece of the puzzle. Absolutely, I think I think, I think it's, it's more of just being like. I think that's the core level of what humans are. They just need to be encouraged to do so. Yeah, like we're us as a, as a human race are like very inquisitive and um, interested people, but at times we have been discouraged. And sometimes disabled, disabled to work, to go and you know basically fulfill that potential that we ha- have had, because you know you're not qualified to take this next step. You're not going to have a future here. The way that you talk to our clients isn't appropriate. So like you'll never be a sales associate here. You'll always just be an assistant, like so on and so forth. That. They've been knocked down the rank so much to make themselves feel like they're not worth anything that they stop learning. Mm. But yeah, I think it's a it's a really core foundation of being a good leader, but also just as a good human. Um, it's so funny that you uh, said that sometimes we need like there's been environmental things that maybe haven't allowed you to be the full potential of what you wanted to be. And I wanted to bring up something you said when a question I ask all of our guests before they come on is uh, how important is uh, self-awareness to you and self-reflection? And you were like, what? Isn't everybody self, like, self-aware? Like, what? Yeah. And I was like, no, not even a little. And it's interesting from a male perspective, like, I feel, I've often said that women are more self-aware than men are just because it's been more acceptable for us to talk about our feelings or reflect on our feelings. Mm-hmm. Whereas men, it's like, oh, that's not important. Like, move on. Just like, don't even think about it. Shove it down. Take a drink. Whatever it is. Um, <laughs> take a drink. <laughs> no, but seriously, though. <laughs> so then it's just really refreshing. And I just wonder, like, did you have to go through a journey to accept that you had to reflect on your experiences in order to learn? Or was that just something that always came second nature to you? A little bit of both. From a performance-based, I think I've always been very critical of my own performance and how I can improve. And I, my, my probably my most relevant example would be I played goalie in hockey growing up. And like the smallest mistakes can have the biggest impacts in a game. And like, you know, you didn't do a move or you didn't execute a stance properly and you let in the game winning goal 
And so you have to be really self-critical and re like reflect on what happened and replay it and to improve and to grow. And nine times out of 10, nobody in minor hockey knows a lick about being a goaltender. So that's a lot of self-teaching and being self-aware of where you are in the moment, what the conversations are happening, how did you communicate, so on and so forth. From a conversation perspective, definitely have not always been self-aware. Uh, I had a really, and I, like in some cases I still do, have a difficult time when I firmly believe that I'm absolutely right. More in, more in terms of like my good friends and my family, less so with coworkers, that I, my foot will always be down. I'm like, nope, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I've had this experience. This is what's right. Um, and then I'm a little bit less self-aware with how my words and my actions can hurt other people with those close to me. Um, so I'm working on that. I've definitely gotten better, but still not an all-star. But I think when you don't have that relationship or being able to call that person like a day later and be like, yo, what's up? Like, sorry, we still cool. And I'm like, yeah, we were cool. Like five minutes after we're fine. Um, that relationship with coworkers or with, you know, just peers or acquaintances, you have to be more self-aware of how your actions or your words, your impacts or your actions, words in kind of overall demeanor and what that impact is going to be on the person that you're speaking with intentionally or not. So yes and no. Sure. Would, would you consider yourself self-aware, Ashay? Yeah? Mm -hmm. Did you go on a journey or have you always considered yourself self-aware? You went on a pilgrimage? <laughs> mm. I went I went on a, on a seven-week hike to a Buddhist temple in the mountains, shrouded in mist. And you got lost. Yeah. And never made it. And then I, and then I, black, <laughs> and then I blacked out and I woke up. <laughs> and then he drank and his feelings went down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doesn't talk I, about I got, it. I got to day. the Buddhist temple of self-awareness and they said... Oh, you have emotions? Drink. And, <laughs> and, what did you ask? Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Fuck. You're killing it. You're killing it. This is going well. Are you self-aware? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How did you get there? His walk to the Buddhist temple. <laughs> We've been over this. That was a true story. I don't know why you're questioning it. I know where Buddhism is. You know where Buddhism is. The temple. What, just one? Just that one. Ah, that's a little bit wrong. If you went to the temple, you'd know. And if you went to the temple, you'd know. I'm going to Google it. <laughs> it's not, it's not on Oh, I got to ask Jeeves. It's on Google Earth. You guys remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah, I remember Ask Jeeves. Do you remember? You ask Bing. Ask Jeeves was, uh, what is it now? It was this guy who was a butler. Like, yeah. he literally so, like, was dressed as, like, a butler, and it was Ask Jeeves, and Jeeves would give you your answer to everything. Yeah, it would be, like, the search bar. Oh, it's Ask.com. I'm so dumb. It's Ask.com now. Oh, yeah. I said Ask as in ASS.com. <laughs> Go check it out. <laughs> Make sure you're in uh, private browsing so you can't get any viruses. Go check out the AssesandDonkeysTrust.com. Incognito. Incognito. Okay, <laughs> your journey to self-awareness. To the temple. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Hey, don't okay. talk about Jesus. It's hey, his birthday. They don't. They don't like Jesus there. Okay, no, they do. They do. Buddhism is very. Buddhism is very accepting of all. Of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You went to the wrong temple. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> It's just a temple of the Antichrist. Okay, keep going. Did somebody just write Buddhist temple on a piece of paper and put it on the door? Yeah. And, like, and, they, and they had a fog machine yeah. beside it. And it's like, this is the place I'm meant to be. The Yoda's in there. <laughs> Come, at last you have. <laughs> it's just a short guy speaking funny. <laughs> Dollar store mascot. <laughs> this is, okay. My journey to self-awareness. Um, I don't know that I can call it a journey. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Because it was a three-week walk. Seven. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't I don't necessarily think it was a journey. I think um, uh, you know what? As as I say that, I realize what I'm about to describe is a journey. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, keep going with it. Keep going with it. I think, I think it was a it was a collection of experiences. He's very self-aware, folks. <laughs> I think it was a collection of experiences and learning moments over time. Over time, <laughs> which is what a journey is. <laughs> It was a collection of experiences and reflecting, reflecting moments o- o- over time, which is what a journey is. Shut up, Danny. It, which is kind of what led me to it. I don't think. I think in a way, I was naturally it, like kind of like Brian. I was critical of myself a lot, but I don't think being critical of yourself is the same thing as being self-aware. And I don't think that all reflection, just because you reflect, I don't think that's also being self-aware. I think um, I found myself in situations. And I was frustrating and struggled uh, to to understand why the things that were happening to me were happening. I think it was tied a lot to taking responsibility and accountability for my own actions and, and really critically assessing. That's huge, though. Yeah, it, it, that like I, I I'm here because I put myself here. I'm here because I chose to be here. I I didn't. My feelings are my own. Basically, one time, what happened was that I had a really. I, I don't have a concrete example, but somebody said something to me that I found was really really hurtful, and it hurt me, and it stuck with me for so many years. And it actually shaped who I was as a person. And I'm, I bumped into them, like, I think three or four years later. And by that time, I would built up enough confidence and courage to confront them about it. And they were like, yo, I straight up don't even remember saying that. I, I'm so sorry that it affected you this much. I, it literally, it's, it's just something I said. I definitely didn't mean in and out. But it was just one sentence that literally shaped me for four years. Well, and so it took that for me to realize that just because something is insignificant to me, I think I need to be aware of the power of my words on other people. Um, I think that's a story I've told in the podcast before, but uh, I think that was when I started like really looking at myself in the mirror, being like, "Hey, this is this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of. This is what my words can do. This is what I need to do to be the best me." I was just gonna say it like in your journeys to becoming self aware and like prioritizing that as something important to you and something you do uh, do in your daily routine or daily life is part of sticking with that seeing how it's helped you improve over time as a person like because if you were self-aware and like you thought about something like you said that doesn't actually lead to anything or that's not like you have to actually improve based on your reflection yeah and then see the impact of that improvement yeah but the the interesting part is i think the biggest impact of self-awareness is on uh, is on yourself as a result of being self-aware i just found myself able to deal with things better i was i was a more level-headed person a little more balanced because i kind of found myself being like look i can't control the actions of other people in any given situation i can't i can't control what they do i can't change what they do i can't change what they choose what their motivations are the only thing i can control can control is myself how i behave what i say what i do how i think how i act those things are within my control and that's how i have the power to influence situations and then so i think realizing that and and in order to to improve outcomes as a result of that, you have to know where you stand right now mm-hmm. and be know where you need to change things to improve your outcomes in the future. So you take that responsibility on yourself. And I think that was a big step in me is that um, I used to have a very short patience, a short fuse. I used to like no patience at all. And then now I think I'm one of the more patient people in, in my own life. And I think it's because I've learned to deal with things where I'm like, hey, I need to control what I can control. Here's where I need to improve in that situation and not let that happen to me again. Yeah. Or let that happen to others again. We have like been taught or growing to play within the bounds of 
like quite literally since we were in kindergarten if not before that with our parents it was like hey what are you good at like tell us your quirkiness or like tell us like the one thing that like you like to do and what your experiences that you like to experience mm -hmm. say it was a science class and you were failing at the beginning of the term and now you got a 65 like you improve 50 percent or 100 percent there but your teacher doesn't walk over and is like hey great improvement look how much you've learned look how far you've come you're really grasping the content now and are understanding it it's, we don't it's maybe like you should go into another field. That's maybe exactly science it. isn't for you. We don't, we typically don't award or recognize improvement regardless if it's to the threshold that we want it to be at from our own personal standards, as opposed to saying, yep, you recognized where you weren't doing so well and you put effort in, you're there, like you got better. You're not an expert. You're not even in the top 20% of the class, but you still improved a crazy ton and that was because of your effort. Great job. Keep up the good work. And th those very simple five-second conversations need to start happening with people growing and developing mm -hmm. to be okay with the fact of sharing in class. I'm not doing well in the subject. I need to try harder. I want to improve. Or I need to improve in some cases. Yeah. Um, segue. Of not, it's a horrible segue. So the smallest moments or the smallest actions can have the biggest impact. And part of the reason why I wanted to have this discussion about leadership is I was very hot and horny for this guy named uh, Drew Dudley. Um, was? Was. Like, I still am. Okay. But I, he's inspired me to go and follow a lot of other leadership um, conversations. Right now I'm reading a book um, by a guy named Ari Wiesenberg, Wiesenberger or something like that. Um, it's basically all about anarchist approach to running a business and managing people. So somebody who doesn't believe in, you know, the rule of law or the standard of norm of how people should behave or act and how you can still run a successful business. And he mm -hmm. manages and owns and operates a franchise in Michigan um, called Zingerman's that grosses over 48 million a year out of six stores in business. <laughs> wow. uh, and in, and has purposely put his um, businesses and their, their new developments in disadvantaged or marginalized communities within Michigan and still reaches those those financial numbers. So uh, that's why I say I'm not no longer anymore because it's not like, oh, he's the only one that I want to mm -hmm. learn from. It's I'm now expanding and really appreciating other people's strategies. But anyways, Drew Dudley, his claim to fame... Sorry, Drew, for putting it like that. But uh, the way that he got famous was he did a TED Talk years ago about lollipop moment. And short and long of it is he was an orientation leader, um, you know, basically in line when students were waiting to get in the student center at, uh, I think it was St. FX, but it could have been Dow, somewhere, somewhere out east. And he walked up to this girl and she looked really nervous. Um, and the guy behind him, or behind her, sorry, the guy behind standing in line behind her, he went up to him and said, like, here's a lollipop, you should give it to the most beautiful girl on this line and pointed at the girl in front of him. Um, little did he know that individual, the female, was having the hardest day of her life. She didn't really want to go to university, was ready to drop out, was actually in that moment ready to turn away and tell her parents that I didn't want to go to university yet and I was good to go home. And she then had that moment. Everybody laughed because the kid, the, the dude didn't even want to grab the lollipop. And it was really awkward for everybody. Ended up handing it over 
everybody laughs and she said maybe i can do this for another day so that's basically the story and then five years later when he was leaving town to move to toronto they held a going away party at him at the bar that he worked at he was a bartender and tons of people showed up blah 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 and this girl showed up very at the very end who he didn't recognize had no relation and she introduced herself shook his hand and said you know this is the moment that had the greatest impact in my life and i wanted to approach you so many different times over the past five years on campus but I never really knew how to do it. But since I found out that you were leaving, I wanted to let you know before you potentially were gone for good. So here's my story. Told it all, the impact, um, you know, that she actually ended up finishing her full degree, was en route to graduate. And so she's walking away and stops and turns and says, hey, Drew, I just want to let you know that, you know, that uh, me and so-and-so have been dating ever since you, uh, you introduced us. A year and a half later, he got an invitation to be to speak at their wedding That's awesome. and like got invited to their, their wedding. I think he then goes on to explain leadership as, you know, the smallest actions from your perspective can have the biggest impacts on other people. And that's what leadership is. So from giving your neighborhood paper person a coffee or a hot chocolate or a nice little holiday gift as they're coming by or like a chocolate bar at any point of randomly in the year to appreciate what they do and their leadership capabilities of always getting the paper to people's doors before 6 a.m. so they can read it before work, right? That's a small thing. You know, people in the cashier line, getting people through at like a quickly quick pace, but still giving good customer service, still being very attentive, like being superb at their job, that's leadership. Somebody who brings energy, infectious energy and positive energy into every day of work, whatever their role is and what they do, that's leadership, right? So. It's thinking beyond just what is my status and what do I have to do in order to maintain the status in the hierarchical level of life to what can I do to improve other people around me to improve their day or to recognize what they're they're doing phenomenally or even just doing well um, or improving on. And he said those are really the core key leadership moments that you can hold yourself to without any title, any kind of standard or social norm. And I thought that was really fascinating way to look at leadership because nobody had ever really explained it to me like that, of that one comment of saying, hey, thanks for holding the door for me or um, to the busser who you didn't interact with at all at the restaurant who cleared all nine of your plates and cups in one trip. Like that's phenomenal leadership right there because they're going above and beyond their job to make your experience at that restaurant even better, especially if they don't drop it. Um, and so would you say that this philosophy and looking at leadership this way has helped you define yourself as a leader a little bit easier? I actually think it's challenged me to be a better leader, um, less so in defining myself, but more setting standards for me to be able to attain it, of um, recognizing other people's small actions, but how they have a larger impact and making sure that I communicate that to them. It can be super uncomfortable at times when nobody is really expecting a compliment and they get one and they're like, I, I, uh, I don't know how to take this. Like, are you being sarcastic? Are you making fun of me? Or is this legit? But that's something that we lack in human interaction is acknowledging when people do things really well, whether that's the bus driver showing up on time or waiting for you as you run for the bus because you're a minute late um, 
it could be I've said it to people at work and they're in line and waiting to be checked out and you know I'm on the floor having conversations and training staff and the energy that they bring to the cashier to the checkout line and it's um, it's infectious and one gentleman actually it was about three weeks ago he was super happy smiley I said you know what that's that's really awesome I really appreciate you I said, why, why do you try to be happy and smiling and you know seemingly very positive he said it's because I have depression and it's the only way that I get through my days is by trying to be positive with myself and smiling because typically when I smile people will smile back and that makes me happier and he goes nobody has ever said like thank you for being um, smiley and like for improving my day or, or just being over overly positive so he he appreciated us who were at the cash who recognized that and had the conversation but I think that's a moment that has stuck out in my mind based off of the Drew Dudley talk of the smallest actions have the largest impacts because I bet you he probably hasn't forgotten about that and that's not to toot my own horn it's because what I'm really getting at is I would never have recognized that that conversation and I typically would already already have that conversation with people would have had an impact on his life mm-hmm. I would have just been like yeah sweet like I acknowledge that he was smiley appreciate his positive energy and wished him well in his day but the circumstances that he was in and the the personal journey that he was going on it may or may not have had a bigger impact than what I even had planned on that's a really cool story yeah check it out Drew Dudley lollipop moment and then he just I'm gonna plug his book because I'm a big fan of his I'm a fanboy um it's called this is day one leadership and it's all about how it's not about why you should be a leader it's about how you can become a better leader so it's almost as though you work through a series of tasks and assignments that he gives you to define what your leadership values are, to define leadership questions that you can ask yourself on a daily basis, and also as personal examples of what good leadership looks like and um, branching out just outside of the title perspective. So check it out. Thank you for that plug. Um, can I transition to big talk, small summaries? Big question, small answer. <laughs> so uh, a word or a phrase that defines your specific brand of leadership a word or a phrase that defines my leadership yeah your brand of leadership i don't have a brand yes you do i'm ad hoc <laughs> can i can i go well, no one else is it doesn't sound like anyone's gonna interrupt you, <laughs> you can cut it all out. look at all that silence um so i would say my leadership style is awkwardly charismatic Uh, And I say that because um, I am really outgoing. I'm willing to to put myself out there and do like the hard conversations or like take charge in a room where I'm the only one talking. But I will be the first person to acknowledge awkwardness or do something really weird or say something and then just be like, that was that was strange. Let's start over or like mumble through a sentence and be like, yep, no, pause, we're going to redo that. So I acknowledge awkwardness and like invite it into the conversation and it's part of my weird brand of leadership is that I am awkward to my core, but I would say then I use that sort of outgoing, chatty energy to then actually do the hard work. Hmm. Mine would be excellence and empathy um, based off of, I think I not only demand or expect excellence from myself but also other people around me that they're willing to put in the most effort to get the job done Um, and excellence doesn't mean that there's no imperfections or nothing can go wrong it's that the efforts there 
and recognizing when things go wrong and identifying how we can improve it after. That's what excellence looks like to me. But with that being said, the empathy needs to come into play to recognize when things go wrong, that it's not, how dare you let that go wrong? It's, well, why did this go wrong? Let's have conversations, let's do a postmortem, and then let's work together to improve it for the future so that we can reach the next level of excellence. Um, I think without those two, you really can't set the tone to improve, to always be striving for more, and to always be critically thinking of yourself. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, this is the Western world, but uh, to be results-oriented and to have some metrics attached to what your performance looked like, I mean, excellence in showing that spoiled product or um, giveaways or reviews like all of that has an impact on what your bottom line looks like and the more that you can mitigate those negative experiences or impacts on guest experiences or user experiences the better your bottom line normally turns out to be you want to take us home today <laughs> well it's an interesting question for me to answer because when you asked at the top of the episode if you think if individually if we think oh. we're leaders i said i don't think i am so um so his brain is going, does not compute, does not compute. My Excel formula is producing NA as a result. Uh, error. 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 Not found. Four, four, not found. Uh, I hate that one. Um, if I was going to describe my brand of leadership, uh, I think it would be that my focus is on listening to others and to control the controllables. The rest will figure it out together. Ooh. Ooh. And by controllables, I mean yourself. Daddy likey. Daddy likey. <laughs> Daddy. Um, I think I think when I say control the controllables, that's a broad uh, statement. And what I mean by that is control yourself, your own actions, your emotions, uh, your behaviors, your thoughts, your feelings, the things that you can do and the things that we can do as a team. Let's worry about those. Let's be the best we can at those. The stuff that we can't, let's be realistic about what we can and can't do. And that stuff, we'll, we'll cross that bridge together. And and on the listening piece, I mean, I sound like a broken record. I've preached this before over and over on this podcast. But I think that the world right now is the worst it's ever been and hopefully ever will be at listening to other people and really, oh, truly it's listening. It's ho- Nobody knows how to listen. And I just I, that to me, that's one thing I try to intensely focus on is that if I can be good at listening, if I can really hear you and understand you and 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 really be empathetic about what you're saying and what you're feeling – then I think that's gonna that's gonna be ninety percent of the battle. Absolutely, my I don't even remember where I learned this from, but the piece of advice that I can attach that in like a concise way, sorry, <laughs> is don't listen to respond. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's talking, you don't think about what you're going to say back. It's okay if you don't have an answer right away for what they said. Listen to understand and have empathy with what somebody's saying, so that you can grasp what experiences or emotions or the emotions that they just experienced during xyz process Mm. and how you can better help them or work them through that experience that they had bingo bango bingo bango thank you so big question small answer (laughs) thank you so much brian for joining us on this redo of this episode and i really appreciate you dedicating like what i think is now like eight hours to us yeah i'll send the billable hours your way later (laughs) (laughs) what's your hourly rate oh you don't want to know (laughs) i'll i'll start a bidding war at three dollars per hour
Ja, det er Thank you for listening. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or feedback, you can shoot us an email by emailing fsmalltalk at gmail.com, reach out to us on Instagram at fsmalltalk, or visit our website, fsmalltalk.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our lovely and talented friend Ada for the musical considerations. She's an amazing up-and-coming independent recording artist specializing in R&B, pop, and funk. She's available for collabs and shows, so if you liked what you heard, simply hit her up on Instagram, at AidaSoLive. That's at A-I-D-A so live. If you want to hear more of her stuff, you can find her at soundcloud.com forward slash Ada so live. That's soundcloud.com forward slash A-I-D-A so live. She's amazing, so definitely go check her out. A big thank you also goes out to Lonnie for producing the awesome track you heard. He is an R&B and hip-hop producer who's worked with major artists, including Drake, Beyonce, and Lil Wayne. He's available to work with at his Toronto studio, so if you're interested, simply check him out on Instagram at HitHouseToronto. That's at HitHouseToronto. So again, big thank you to Ada and Lonnie. This podcast was brought to you by us. And also beer. And also coffee. Because what is sleep even? Also, hi mom. Love you. <laughs>